Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 40. Guess what? It's a great big world out there, and you don't have to be scared, because it's all yours for the taking, I know. That your dreams are big and bright, and God gave you this life to do crazy things. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, principal from Skytook High School and host of Principal Matters Podcast, the school leaders podcast, where you can listen for inspiring and imaginative ideas for improving your own school leadership. Last week, I had the privilege of hosting a webinar on school leadership motivation and purpose-driven leadership. And one of the questions that came up in that webinar um, at the end from a number of school leaders was, how do I respond to apathy? And that's what I want to talk about this week. How do you respond to apathy when you're trying to lead and initiate change? If you are a regular podcast listener, you may have noticed that last week I did not post a podcast and partly because um, I was fighting a cold or some kind of allergy attack here in the Oklahoma fall weather, and I have regained most of my voice this week. Um, And so I am uh, happy to be back uh, visiting with you. If you want to listen to previous episodes of this podcast or check out uh, blog posts that accompany them, you can visit my website at williamdparker.com. If you subscribe for weekly updates, I'll send you a free ebook called Eight Hats, Essential Roles for School Leaders. Or you can check out my book, Principal Principal Matters, The Motivation, Action, and Courage Needed for School Leaders at my website or amazon.com. How do we respond to apathy? Well, first of all, let me just start with a story, and then I want to touch on seven essential points that I think are important when you're thinking about this question. A number of years ago, I was in a building and was leading as an assistant principal with a colleague of mine who was struggling to adopt to the priorities and the values that we shared in that building. And I remember having a number of uncomfortable conversations with this person. Eventually, this person decided to leave and join another team. And as difficult as it is sometimes to see team members who decide to go join another team, sometimes it opens up opportunities for you to find new team members who share values. Now, that's a very sensitive way for me to talk about a very uncomfortable topic because um, I'm always very careful when I'm talking about issues of personnel and confidentiality. But I think I want to also be real with you that school leadership is not always simply motivating and leading others positively. It's also sometimes having uncomfortable conversations so that you can lead others and motivate them positively. So yes, just as much as we want to celebrate the great things that are happening in our schools, sometimes we have to face the the, the negative things that are happening and, and decide how can we address them and still reach the goals that we want to reach. And one of the most difficult things that I hear from other school leaders is how do you positively affect change when others resist or don't seem to care or they only comply half-heartedly? And so let me try to unpack this question in a number of ways, from the perspective of the leader, but also from the perspective of those whom you're leading. So seven things. Number one, don't expect others to drive for you. 
If you don't maintain momentum and enthusiasm, no one else will. First of all, you need to make a decision as a school leader, if you are initiating change, that the momentum and the drive and the enthusiasm must be something that you own. As difficult for it is to show up every morning and decide that this is going to be a great day or that you are going to live the dream, if you don't make that decision for yourself, no one else will. And this isn't simply a matter of trying to trick yourself into or manipulate yourself into positive thinking. What I'm trying to convey is that if you want others to not be apathetic, you can't be apathetic yourself. And as discouraging as it can be sometimes when you run into walls or you run into resistance, if you simply give up at that point and say, I can't make change because the apathy is too strong, then you've lost the, you've lost the battle. And so, number one, when you're facing resistance, you should expect that others are going to resist or that others are going to sometimes question the direction that you're going. But that shouldn't sway you from the enthusiasm of still leading towards positive change. Number two, don't expect others to be excited to take on additional responsibilities if you're unwilling to alleviate them from ones that may no longer be necessary. Now, let me address this from the perspective of the followers. If you're a school leader and you've got a team of people who are trying to move in a new direction, if you're trying to initiate change, then you also need to take a step back and ask yourself, what are some practices that we have been doing that may no longer be necessary so that we can create room for the practices that we want to increase? Simply adding new practices and more practices and more practices each year without figuring out ways to adjust and, and monitor and evaluate or remove duplicate um, behaviors, you're simply setting up people for burnout. Now, let me give you an example of this. A few years ago, we had an abbreviated schedule that we were using where at the end of each week, we would maintain students in school um, at the end of the school day for additional remediation time or to time to catch up on their work. Students who were being very successful were given early releases as a reward. And this was a very huge initiative that we implemented for almost five years at our school. The difficulty with this initiative was that as we were trying to monitor and manage this early release system, there were other things that we wanted to do as well. We wanted to be able to increase the time that we were having in data teams. We wanted to be increased the time that we're going to be having as professional learning communities. We wanted to be able to really target interventions or remediations for students through those teamings. And as a school leader, I realized that if we were going to increase all of this collaboration but not figure out a better way to manage the stresses that were happening in this abbreviated schedule, we weren't going to be able to accomplish both. So we eliminated that abbreviated schedule and in place began to initiate these other teaming initiatives so that we could grow in targeting the kinds of improvements that needed to happen per student. Now, that's a very short description of a very long process that's, that, we've been, that we've worked on for years at our school. But the point is this. You can't expect others to be excited about adding on new responsibilities if you're not willing to step back and say, okay, where can we tweak the, the things that we have been working on or perhaps things that aren't working as well as they should to make room for improvement? So you've got to have some compromise involved when you're adding additional responsibilities or you'll simply burden people to death. Number three, 
strategize, plan, and schedule change because it will not happen on its own. If you're trying to address apathy, well, apathy, one of the, the, one of the hallmarks of apathy is that you initiate change and it dies. It, it peters out because there has been no momentum or plan or schedule for that change. Simply talking about it doesn't mean it's happening. And so, for instance, this year when we decided to increase the number of teachers involved in teaming, then we embedded those team meetings into our schedules every week. Who would be responsible for managing or supervising those meetings? Who would be responsible for attending those meetings? And how would we monitor and schedule those things so that they could happen? And that's just one example. And that works for anything, whether it's teacher observations, whether it's planning out your um, time that you're working on reports, whether it's scheduling professional development. If you don't strategize, plan, and schedule for it way in advance, it's not going to happen on its own. You also eliminate the possibility of frustrating people to death by planning ahead. Part of the problem with initiating change is that we do it haphazardly or we do it last minute. And when we do, people get so frustrated because they don't have time to plan ahead for their lesson plans or their schedules to make it happen as an entire team. So think about change in the effect of where do I want to be six months from now and how do I plan now so that we are ready for that initiation or better yet, a year from now so that we can schedule and plan and strategize toward that end. Sometimes some of the best ideas need to be planned out far in advance. We can have some fantastic ideas and everyone wants it to happen next week or next month. But when you're moving in a, a, in a very large team of people, and in some cases, like in my building, 50 to 70 adults and 750 students, that doesn't happen with the snap of a finger. It happens by strategizing, scheduling, and planning way out in advance so that everyone's communicated with, so that when you do execute, there's the questions have been already answered as much as possible. So number three, strategize, plan, and schedule change because it will not happen on its own. Number four, be willing to have some uncomfortable conversations. If the challenge is apathy and you're trying to decide how do I initiate or encourage someone on the team to participate who may not be wanting to, it will not happen by sending out big emails to your entire staff. It will not happen by talking about it to the entire staff at a faculty meeting. It will not happen because you broadcast it constantly. When you're talking about individuals who are unwilling to move the needle with you, those require individual conversations, and you have to be willing to have those uncomfortable conversations. I referred to this at the beginning of this conversation, and this has happened often in the years that I've been in school leadership. If there's someone on the team who is not moving in the same direction, I'm going to be sitting down and having that conversation with that person. One of two things is going to happen. Either change will take place in the right direction, or we will continue to have the uncomfortable conversations, or we will continue to have the uncomfortable conversations until the change means they've decided to join another team. And so, yes, we want to positively influence and lead and, and, and set the example for any initiative that we're, that we're having within our building. But we also want to be able to come back to the table to talk about this is the direction I'm going. I can control myself, but this is the direction I need you to be going. How can we do that together? And believe me, Uncomfortable conversations are a necessary part of any relationship, whether that's in marriage or child rearing or in 
uh, in friendships or in school leadership. And so you must be willing to have those uncomfortable conversations or you will never see others moving the direction that you want them to go with you. Number five, move the needle where you can. But remember, you're not Superman. You're not God. Work on the areas that you can control one at a time. Now, this is a huge point because so often we get overwhelmed. We see an area that's not changing or perhaps a person who's not improving yet or perhaps even an uncomfortable conversation that hasn't resulted in change. That doesn't mean you stop. You can control the things you control. And that's why I think school leadership needs, the perspective needs to be larger than the moment that you're in. For instance, if I come to the end of a school week that's been very difficult or very challenging, there's one thing that I know I can control at the end of that week. I can wrap up that week's summary of this and celebrate the things that have happened throughout my school and broadcast that out through a school newsletter or through an email to teachers or through a podcast like this one. And I can talk about the things that we should be celebrating. And I can control the things that I can control because I want the message that's coming out from our school to be continually pushing towards the goals that we have set as a team. I can only control those things that I can control. I can't control outside forces. I can't control disasters. I can't control emergencies. I can only control the things I can control. And so sometimes you just have to trust. If you have faith, um, like I do, I trust through prayer and the the things I can't control. I have to hand those over to God. And I also trust in my team. I'm not a superman. I have to surround myself with other people, too. So this comes to point number six. Surround yourself with others who share the same values and grow your leadership influence exponentially. Change doesn't happen overnight. In fact, I don't believe it happens in a year. Um, If you look at the research on school leadership, most school leaders will not see significant change within a large organization until three to five years into into that organization's time with that leader. And so you will not see that change if you're not constantly adding people to your team who share the same values and grow in leadership with you. Now, that doesn't mean you change the people on your team constantly. What that means is the people on your team, they have values and talents and gifts that are amazing that if you can tap into them, they can often go directions you could have never gone on your own. I can think of some people within my own building who, um, I'll, just, I'll just name one specifically. I can think of, of, of my math department chair who has been such a strong leader in identifying areas of needed growth among students' essential learning standards, and she's been able to lead that conversation among the math teachers in that department and allow others within that department to grow in leadership too so that they are identifying those essential standards, responding to them, remediating with kids who need remediation, and they're growing so much bigger than they could have ever grown if I had tried to lead that initiative myself, since that's not my strength. Math is not my strength area. And so as you surround yourself with others who share the same values, you grow your leadership influence exponentially. I have that same feeling about my administrative team. Um, As my assistant principals share my same values, we don't always have the same strengths, and we don't always see eye to eye on every decision. But because they are willing to use their strengths to grow the same direction and they share the same values for wanting to see student growth and teacher growth, then together our influence is much larger than it would be if I was trying to lead alone. 
So look around you and think about the others within your school who have amazing talents and gifts. You may not be the same person. You may not even lead with the same style, but they have amazing gifts. Use them. Number seven, look for the positives and celebrate them. If you've listened to me before, then you know this is something I talk about very, very often. And I just can't say it enough. When you are seeing an initiating change, stop and celebrate. So let me wrap this up. If you want seven ways to respond to apathy in any leadership initiative, number one, don't expect others to drive for you. No one else will do it for you. You've got to be motivated yourself. Number two, don't expect others to be excited to add additional responsibilities if you're not willing to take something else off their plates. Number three, strategize, plan, and schedule change because it won't happen on its own. Number four, be willing to have uncomfortable conversations. Number five, move the needle where you can. You're not Superman or God. Number six, surround yourselves with others who share the same values and grow your leadership influence. And number seven, look for the positives and celebrate them. At the end of the day, no one can ultimately control the apathy in other people. So you first have to begin with your own attitude and then decide what priorities are non-negotiable. And based on those seven suggestions, I believe that you'll continue to lead forward and others will either follow or they'll become too uncomfortable and they may decide to join another team. So now it's your turn. What are some other ways that you would suggest for responding to apathy when leading others? I'd love to hear from you. If you'll reach out to me uh, on this podcast, you can see the post that accompanies it at my website at williamdparker.com. You can leave a comment there, or you can reach out to me via Twitter at my handle at williamdp, or shoot me an email if you'd like at my email address, will at williamdparker.com. Thanks for listening. I, I've gone a little longer than normal for this podcast, but I want to uh, tell you how excited I am each week to be able to share with you these ideas, and I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. Uh, if you'd like to receive my weekly updates uh, via email, then please go to my website. You can subscribe there to receive weekly updates, and I'll send you a free ebook called Eight Hats, Essential Roles for School Leaders. Until next time, thanks for doing what matters, and I'll see you next week.